Welcome to the Bottom of the Barrel Podcast. Again, today you will be listening to Aaron dying from inhaling something we don't know what, and me day drinking yingling. Just another Wednesday. Yeah. Mainly, um, I didn't bring lunch today, and Nick wasn't thoughtful enough to give me the extra quiche that his wife made, and I was looking for something to snack on before this podcast. (laughs) I don't see you as much of a quiche guy. Well, I mean, it was delicious. <laughs> it was it was quite good. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure that it was a traditional quiche. It was very dense, but it was delicious. Fair so, enough. Yeah, yeah. I ate that yesterday. Today, I was like, fuck, I need something. So I'm in the refrigerator digging around, and I realize that the leftovers from the open house are there. So I have uh, two 12-ounce yinglings here in front of me, which are... I'm not sure <clears throat> what the nutritional value of those is, but I will be drinking them while we have a podcast. I have a change my mind meme. Ooh. Quiche is the hipster version of the glass of raw eggs. Change my mind. <clears throat> well, <laughs> I don't even know what the <laughs> hypothesis is because I thought only Rocky drank a glass of raw eggs and it was to make his muscles grow bigger. But I don't think that anyone eats quiche to make their muscles get bigger. You're talking about using it after a workout, man. No, I, 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 I <laughs> use quiche. I, I hate it. I'm on quiche, I man. hate it because it was here, and you, it, see, you see that dude? He's all hopped up. <laughs> quiche. Nick was kind. He was like, I was looking around for food yesterday. I was like, I'm gonna go get lunch, and he was like, Oh man, hey, hold up! And he always goes in the refrigerator and brings out things like like a rye. Uh, fucking pretzel or something like hey this is delicious you should have it first of all where did you find a rye pretzel (laughs) secondly today he was like pulling out this giant sandwich i was like man i can't take your lunch he goes no 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 no. i've been eating quiche for three days see there it is aaron's death rattle i swallowed incorrectly he was like um dun 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 (laughs) fucking the homoerotic aaron jokes i think that's like the underlying theme of this podcast you i brought it upon myself you walked right into that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so nick was super nice and he was like i'm 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 not gonna say i'm sick of this quiche because maybe maybe nick's wife listens to this podcast and i don't want to put him under the bus as a couch Yeah, yeah but uh no i mean i was like man this is super delicious and um you know it must be wonderful to have a significant other who cooks for you. <laughs> now I'm hoping that my wife doesn't <laughs> listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, uh, I, it was it was a toss up between a Yingling and a three pound bag of uh, Lucky Charms marshmallows that somehow materialized in our office. Aaron was like st- sitting in the kitchen or standing in the kitchen, looking at the bag, like very. Wistfully. You started it, man. No, Aaron, you would. You would. I, I, all I said was there's 380 calories per serving, which then got us being like, how many servings are in the bag? And then you looked off into the distance. You said, you were like, man, I could eat this whole thing. Yeah, well, I was merely <clears throat> musing that I could eat the whole thing. And <clears throat> then you looked off, and then you said, I'd put $100 on you not being able to eat the whole thing in 30 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, this is the kind of stuff you did at your previous place of employment. And it's, you chuckled wryly and went, exactly. It's true, man. And I was like, first of all, the 30 minute thing is bullshit. And you were like, mm, maybe I was like, can I drink water? And you said, yes. It wouldn't be exciting if you had all day. I mean, that's it's true. Kind of nosh. But you take and the enjoyment. Like there is very, there are very few things in life that I enjoy as much as Lucky Charms marshmallows. 
and by making me eat three pounds of them in 30 minutes, I will never enjoy them again. The roof of my mouth is going to be completely degloved because of harsh Lucky Charms marshmallows <laughs> crunching up against it. You would get those like salt burns in your cheeks from sunflower seeds on yes. road trips. I mean, no, because I dip Copenhagen. I'm, right. I'm not a I'm not a wannabe stupid baseball player. Tobacco products are my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, sunflower seeds. <clears throat> when when I lacked the willpower to quit dipping, I would be like, well, I'm gonna eat some sunflower seeds. And within 30 minutes, I was like, this is a terrible mistake. I like sunflower seeds on long road trips. I feel like they give me something to do, but. Then I end up getting like salt burns in my cheeks from them after a while. Anyway, my feeling is <clears throat> you cannot eat three pounds of Lucky Charms marshmallows in half an hour no, I with mean, a 30-minute post-no-puke clause. <laughs> when you said it like that, I was like, well, there's not it's not really a bet here anymore because I think you're probably right. I don't I think it could be close though, man. I think it could be really close. <clears throat> we decided that there were what, fifty four hundred calories? In that bag, 5,500 calories. Yep, 5,500. I think it's really hard to eat more than 4,000 calories in 30 minutes. You say that. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I now feel like it's my obligation to try. I tried to eat 14 Krispy Kreme donuts in 30 minutes. And is that problematic? I mean, I just think that. I feel like you have two minutes for each donut. How hard is that? I understand, but the way these bets work, I think the catch is my experience has been that there is a caloric wall Um, past which it's like really hard to get, um, or it's really hard to get past that. Is this the point where eventually the donuts just start squeezed out your poop chute? unprocessed like you're so much food inside of you that it's like a a bag of icing that it just kind of squeezes yeah, out i think i ate like 12 and felt like total shit for two days and uh you know and you didn't win the bet that's why you felt like shit because you, yeah <clears throat> if you won like, the bet you would have felt like a champion <clears throat> for example you would have gone off and fucked the prom queen look at the mcnugget trade which you took part yeah with the, the fugitive Labs yep. guys like i think it's harder to eat more than 60 nuggets in 30 minutes than it is to eat a smaller amount of nuggets in a shorter time. Like I saw a guy in Chicago <coughs> in the S&P 500 options pit. That's my first Yingling. Bug. 36 nuggets in four minutes, which was fucking impressive. That is actually impressive. <clears throat> it's really fast. Uh, Did he just swallow them whole? Is, it, is his throat <clears throat> like a boa constrictor? I don't know. Could you but, see the food moving down his neck? He's a big dude. Uh, but I don't even think that has has anything to do with it, man. I lived in uh, here's story time. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I lived in Dallas for three months, and when I moved there, I didn't know anyone. I worked in a, an office that was basically me and one other dude. Can you tell I, me where in Dallas, generally speaking? <clears throat> it was just south of Richardson. Okay, so it's like North Dallas. North Dallas, yeah. I don't remember the name of the exact. Not Highland like, Park area, but. Like north of Highland Park, yeah, between Highland Park and, and Richardson. Richardson, yeah. Right. Um, I rented a house there. Do you remember was, the shark lawyer? The uh, <clears throat> that had his it's a it's clearly a bone of contention with whatever organization oversees lawyers, but there is a lawyer's office right off the 75 corridor there that is it's like a lawyer, it's like. You know, come come to my offices, and on top of his office is a giant, 
like taxidermied shark. Really? Oh yeah, it's awesome. I don't remember. Yeah, that. they say it sends. A, they, they say it represents <clears throat> a bad image of lawyers. He's in. He is definitely an ambulance chaser. <laughs> I, I believe that. Yeah. Uh, no, there was. Um, well. There were a few things I remember about Dallas. One, strip clubs are amazing. Strip clubs are amazing. The Beretta Gallery has like the finest shotguns I've ever seen yep. in person. True story. Um, but also, another thing about Dallas, I'd never lived anywhere where people actually drove the school speed limit in speed zones before. <laughs> and I was blown away that on like a 50 mile an hour road, from you know the time it started to the time it stopped, people were driving twenty miles, literally twenty miles an hour, not twenty five, not thirty. They were going, you know, and there, I never saw cops there, but it was it was to me a very weird cultural thing. Like everyone here accepts, hey, we're in a school zone. I feel like you got the wrong impression <clears throat> of Texas. Texas is the place where speed limits are a suggestion, but that DPS, the Department of Public Safety, which is like state troopers, mm-hmm. they follow the law. By the letter. Dude, I remember driving into Dallas when I moved there and coming out of Oklahoma. The first 10 miles, it was like... Bumper to bumper DPS pulling people over. Dude, not only that, but like half the billboards were like, this is what we'll arrest you for in Dallas. Yep. We're going to arrest you for this. Like, yep. Or, you know, in Texas, we can also arrest you for this other thing. But if, we're you, not, if you do this fourth thing, we will definitely arrest you. But we're not going to arrest you for touching <clears throat> strippers' titties or buttholes because we have an all-hands-on-deck policy in Texas. Dude, the first time I was at uh, Baby Dolls in mm. Dallas. Man, I love that place. Yeah. I mean, that I've is- never been to a strip club like that before. And I'm sitting there at this, you know, first lap dance. Not really a lap dance, is it? More of a face dance. Stripper's like, <laughs> you're like, oh god, why aren't you grabbing my titties? You some kind of faggot? It's like, wow. Um, <clears throat> I've never been called out by a stripper like that before, but they don't. They don't mess is- around. <clears throat> you should go to the uh, if you're ever back in Dallas. Uh, I have very fond memories of the Treehouse. No, not the Treehouse. It's um, the Dollhouse. It's the one that Pantera owned. Yeah, yeah. as a group. And it's like a circus of strip clubs. I mean, it's <clears throat> it is a fine establishment, and it is bring your own beer, so they don't serve any booze. But the girls that work there all have a. Everyone has their own kind of uh, thing going on. So, like, basically, if Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey had to construct a strip club, it would be that strip club. Wow. Yeah. Said I missed it. No, no, it's it's worth the time, and everyone smells like sweat and regret. Excellent. No, it's, it's your favorite kind of strip club. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved to Dallas. I don't know anyone. Part of the reason I took this job or was offered this job was because the other dude in the office, the guy, I mean, it was like this really small uh, startup fund. He was about to go away on his honeymoon for like three weeks. So... <clears throat> I get down there, I don't know anyone, and I end up getting into this like trivia group, and it was this trivia group of basically like losers. Like everyone there had just moved to the area. <clears throat> they didn't know anyone else. Every Tuesday at the Flying Saucer, and we were this group of just revenge of the nerds fucking weirdos. Everyone, you know, there now was like clap your hands, everybody, <clears throat> and t- everybody clap your hands. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, like 
the nerdy Asian guy, the short, fat white chick, the fucking Hispanic dude that with the lisp and you know ready the, for anything. The the, the the Sikh with the turban. You know, I mean, it was uh, straight out of fucking central casting, man. Love it. <clears throat> we did okay in in trivia, but there was one group there every time that dominated. They won like sixty percent of the trivia rounds, right? <clears throat> one day at trivia, one of the rounds, we end up tying this dominant group. The MC of trivia is like, all right, we've got a tiebreaker. Everyone's going fucking nuts in the place. They're like, send one person up to the stage from each group. There was this really, I would I would call her meek girl. She was like four nine, maybe five feet on a good day. <clears throat> Real quiet, super tiny. She's like, I'll go up. All right, <clears throat> didn't really participate in much. I don't need like. I didn't know her name then, don't know her name now. She goes up to the stage, and they send up this fucking burly, like, the giant dude. He looked like literally, you know, ogre from Was Revenge of the Nerds. bigger than you? Yeah, like 6'3", 280 maybe. Nerds. I mean, just like, yeah. <clears throat> like, all right. I, we all thought, hey, tiebreaker, what's it going to be? It's going to be a fucking Jeopardy ending question, right? Like... The extra hard question, they get to answer it on their own, whatever. No. He's like, bartender, send me up two pints of beer. Pints come up. All right. On the count of three, first one to finish the beer, their team wins. We're just like, fuck, man. Like, the the other team obviously knew this. They've been in this situation before. Please tell me that that she's like a DOS boot consumer that just, like, opened her throat and fucking. 100%. He said three. <laughs> the beer was this gone. This guy fucking chugged the beer. She did not chug. She like poured it down a fucking six inch wide drain. <laughs> there was there was no like throat movement. She was done before he was halfway done chugging this beer with it like streaming down the sides of his face. I was like, oh, she must have been an Aggie. Holy shit. Anyway. They teach you how to <clears throat> chug beer real early at Texas A&M. They're just like, breathe through your nose. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I think my point there, though, is that I don't think size has that much to do. I mean, look at uh, what's the guy? Is it Takashi? Women, the, women have been telling me that for years. Guy? Yeah, but I, you know, like, <laughs> I just felt like it was flattery. <laughs> I was like, "Well, little darling, thank you." <laughs> Who's the hot dog guy uh, that eats like five hundred hot dogs? Just pushes them right down his little gullet. Yeah, the Asian dude. Let's see. I'm glad I brought this laptop in here. I, I'm glad you did as well so that you can fact check me. <laughs> well, now I'm curious. My uh, my brain doesn't work as good as it used to. I'm almost done beer one, and I feel like bringing two beers in here was not nearly ambitious enough. Wait, Joey Chestnut is one of the guys. Do you think that Joey Chestnut was born with that name? Or do you think that at <laughs> some point when he became a food-eating celebrity, he changed his name so as not to be embarrassed by being like Joey Buttafuoco the third? Kobayashi. Takaru. Mr. Kobayashi. Yeah. Did he, did he once sing in a barbershop quartet in Skogie, Skogie <laughs> Illinois? Illinois? Great movie, by the way. <clears throat> I still think that that is one of the greatest movies ever made. Awesome screenplay, Who, for sure. Whose guys are so sad? Yeah. Why don't we remake movies like that? I'll tell you why, because David Mamet is a master. But when you watch those... So I, to be fair, those kind of movies... 
rewatching them, like mm-hmm. they're still brilliant, even with questionable '90s production values. They're still really well. Yeah, done. because it's not about. I mean, it's about having awesome actors. Yep. Which it had. Benicio del Toro, man. I don't understand a word he said in that. It flipped you good. Like, what the fuck is he saying, dude? Him, uh, Nathaniel Byrne. Yep. Is that right? Yep. And uh, what's his name from fucking Spacey, <laughs> Kevin Spacey? Yeah, the one who touches. Yeah. One who non <laughs> the dead president. <clears throat> so things things that are apparently continually coming up in the, the bottom of the barrel podcast are kid diddling, <laughs> Aaron's pinchot. That's, that's a Hollywood thing. <laughs> I, that's not us. Apparently, it is a Hollywood thing. I I'm going to L.A. next week, man, and I hope that no kid diddling is in my future. <laughs> <laughs> you better watch it. You hang out. Yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I will also say that in Aaron and I's friendship, I've seen Aaron chuckle routinely but not like laugh out loud like like I, raucous laughter i don't get the gut buster laughter but, too but frequently. two days ago <laughs> aaron was literally falling out of his seat laughing so hard envisioning what is going to be a socially awkward time for me yeah i i feel really guilty no you don't no <laughs> you I don't. don't feel guilty about that yeah i feel guilty i feel bad that what does this say about me that that's the thing that the sends thing you that makes me happiest is, is other people's discomfort schadenfreude <laughs> rather than joy or pure pure comedy um uh, well and you know the <laughs> irony is that i have enough self-awareness that i recognize that this is so my life is apparently a somewhat more testosterone charged episode of seinfeld yeah exactly so like the whole I know time you're gonna be okay that's yeah. the whole thing bow, right bow, 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 bow. i wouldn't be laughing at you if i thought you were in danger or in you know actual actual discomfort there's a zero percent chance of me killing myself about this although i can guarantee you that for the entire three hour drive i'm going to be i'm going to be having an out-of-body experience going this is my life it's here you're gonna be fine man. oh i'm gonna have a blast are you kidding me it's gonna be great (laughs) it's me and florida man and uh the sociology professor i'm gonna get you laughing again bro (laughs) we got a gopro this shit man wow man (laughs) I had some uh, biscuits and mustard. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. That's right. Now, if I get killed with the sling blade, <laughs> if I get killed with the sling blade, my friend, you know things are going to be fucking weird. Right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I have the utmost faith in you for your ability to defend yourself. <clears throat> I don't know. Kaiser Blade's legit. Oh. So back to the marshmallows. Yes. Three pounds of marshmallows to be consumed in 30 minutes. I think you could do it. And I don't want to find out. I'm not out. saying you have to do it. I'm this is like this is legitimately. Like, do you think you could do it? Do you remember when you introduced me to smoked pork chops? And I thought that they were raw, but I trusted your judgment <laughs> and I ate it anyway. You did not trust my judgment. No, I definitely gave out you of, a side out eye. of shame. <laughs> you tried it. Yep. You were like, uh. but no, I was in. I was. I was uh, surrounded by <clears> people <throat> who I thought were better than me. <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to name any names, but some people did a really good job of making me feel that way right off the bat. <laughs> And uh, so I'm sitting around and I'm like, man, I'm really hungry. No one else is eating. And I said something like, hey, uh, is there any food here or anything? And Aaron's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he reaches into a cooler, grabs out what appears to be like a purple and brown slab of meat from like a plastic bag. And he wraps it in a tissue paper and puts it in the microwave. And I'm like. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, first of all, I've never microwaved meat before. <laughs> this is 
This is not the way I was predicting eating. I didn't say anything, though, because I didn't want to look like a Philistine. And then someone said something about smoked pork chops. And I was like, oh, that's pork? Like, it's like, wait. Oh, it's smoked. It's cool. Oh, that's why it's in the microwave. They look gross. No, they look awful. But they taste awesome. Oh, it was literally a two-inch thick slab of bacon. Yeah. Just delicious, meaty bacon. But, yes, I... I feel as though my love affair with left bank butchery smoked pork chops is on par with my love affair. My love affair with um, marshmallows from Lucky Charms. Wow, I didn't realize you felt that strongly about. I don't Lucky love Charms cereals very often, but as a kid, <clears throat> so it, my parents were both health nuts, right? Mm-hmm. That's not true. My dad is not a health nut. My dad would take me on business trips, and he would buy two bags of rolled gold pretzels and a half gallon <laughs> of ice cream, mint chocolate chip, and be like, you want to do dinner in the hotel tonight? And be like, well, <laughs> yeah. You put the pretzels in the ice cream? Oh, man. Dip them in there, once, it, especially once it gets all, like, melty. Yeah, you're, like, you're eating the half gallon as, as long as possible before it gets melty, and then you eat all the pretzels to go with it. There you go. My dad was uh, – he's a real – he's – he has a clear grasp of his nutritional needs. <laughs> we had different th- thoughts about nutrition back then, right? Oh, for like, sure. But my mom that That was bad, but no. like all the processed carbs, right? No, my mom did not have that. My mom was literally like, I don't know why your dad is gaining weight. We're going <laughs> to, we're putting him on a diet. And then we go on work trips. I'm like, this is why dad's gaining weight. Half gallons <laughs> of ice cream in the hotel. Uh, got it. Right. I, in, as an adult, I now recognize that that is a reasonably harmless vice, and it was probably the only vice my dad has, so I don't fault him for any of that, right? Everyone's got their blow-off valve. My mom, on the other hand, is feeding us zero sugar in the 80s. Like, no, 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 it's all bad for you. Like, uh, here's some carob chip cookies with no sugar added. I learned to hate chocolate chip cookies. Like, the sight of them <laughs> disgusts me. I'm like, oh, those are going to be terrible. And then I taste them now, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's really good. That processed sugar really boosts things up. But on Christmas every year, one of the Christmas presents that you'd get under the tree was a wrapped box of Lucky Charms or Fruit Loops. No shit. Yeah, yeah. It was like the greatest treat of the year, man. Like my parents knew how to really hit home runs with low effort. All right. Here's this box of Fruit Loops, and you'd be like, oh. my sister and I would like stab each other for like the last bowl of Fruit Loops, the perfumed, substanceless, like. I think Fruit Loops is better than Lucky Charms, and I'll tell you why. Why? Because you get the milk afterwards that's imbued with the Fruit Loops flavor. I see what you did there. I don't know if I believe that or not. Although I do think that our um, Fruity Hoops protein was was very popular. Oh, this wasn't even about the protein. I'm saying that I think protein. The protein. (laughs) You're not even drinking beer. Right? (laughs) What happened to me? No, I think that. Here's what I would say. The highs and lows, the peaks and valleys of Lucky Charms are higher and lower than they are <laughs> for Fruit Loops. But the Fruit Loops overall average is is higher. We're going to have to get you a refill here. Um, well, beer two going down. <clears throat> We're only 23 minutes in. This conversation is going to get real. This is going to end up being like a beer bong challenge. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, hopefully it's not on par with the boulder, the lost boulder episodes of the Die Living Podcast. Dude, give it another 40 minutes, you're going to be butt chugging white wine or something. <laughs> Dude, I do love white wine. <laughs> Doug butt chugs a bottle of Zinfandel. I can't have white wine in my house. My, uh, Zinfandel. Zinfandel would be red wine. No, I, yeah, I like, uh, I like Chablis <laughs> with a little bit of ice in it, you know, like... Uh, 
I learned that from a young lady in You like a drag Dallas. queen? <laughs> Good call. <clears throat> Stripper's favorite. I can see you being like, well, I lived with this like young African-American drag queen for a few months. She was beautiful. And that's where I learned to drink Chablis with ice. Actually, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm woke enough to know the answer to this question. But if you're a drag queen, you're very in touch with being a man who dresses as a woman, right? So you're still a he. So no, there's no transgenderism, right? I believe that is correct. So he was a beautiful man. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I have some pictures of me back in my skinny days wearing some very reflective pearl snap shirts. Like they have like a lot of gold thread in them mm-hmm. with my my head buried in the bosom of a a rather a rather meaty um transvestite. There was a drag friend, queen. A friend of ours in high school who didn't like really come out of the closet until after college, but uh, was definitely maybe not one foot out, but at least a couple toes out in high school. And he was made fun of by some of the other kids in our high school. And uh, <clears throat> there were a bunch of us, including uh, someone that you know from the hog hunt. Oh, fair enough. Whose name I will not name. Uh, just, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping that this is a champion's tale, that <clears throat> you're still a, friends with him because he did the right thing. This is a champion's tale. It was like, oh, you think that's gay? Well, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the Navy. A bunch of us are just going to wear sundresses to school for the rest of the week. For the rest of the week? Yeah. That's a commitment. What, yeah, man. What did the parents say? Uh, Everyone was kind of like, whatever, man. I mean. Let's get in the Wayback Machine. Yeah. I believe that this is 1990 This would have been 1993. Well before we had all come to terms with the fact that like. Oh, no, man. This was like AIDS epidemic, you know, like. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Our parents were not like. I feel like in the year 2019. Yeah. Everyone, regardless of their like, well, not everyone, but a larger portion of the population, a majority certainly is in touch with the idea that like like homosexuals are people (laughs) and it's not like it's not something like it's not this terrible sin to be like you know but i 1993 i feel like we were we had not really fully experienced the real world yet no the woke version of accepting homosexuality in 1993 was like that's cool for other people as as long as as they don't try to kiss me as long as it's someone that i don't know or it's like not my kid or my brother or whatever yeah yeah um, <clears throat> so I think it's awkward at that point in time to have decided to just wear, I, you know what? I'm going to wear a dress to school for a week. Yeah, man. Well, so first of all, it was safety in numbers. It wasn't like, <laughs> Hey, you're making fun of my friend. Well, guess what? I'm coming to a fucking school by myself in a dress. The whole run. football team's wearing right. dresses. Cause fuck you. It wasn't that, it wasn't that big either. It was somewhere in between. I think there were maybe eight or nine people. Um, it was enough to be like, I mean, seems fun. Safety in numbers. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> shit, man. Nick, you know, he. I think he wore a suit to high school for like almost a month. Are we talking about Sinise? Yeah, really. Yeah, I don't find that hard to believe. Um, after, I also after feel like being told that he was dressing like too much of a punk, he was like, "Well, <laughs> fuck <laughs> you, three piece suit every day. <laughs> Time to step <laughs> it up." Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know how we get 
on that subject. I don't either. Um, Bill just texted me and made uh, a comment about how um, Pat Mack got on the Joe Rogan podcast. And then he says, he's like, well, now it's your turn. I'm like, first of all, I'm not nearly as cool as Pat Mack. <laughs> I have I have only dyed a mustache, not a goatee. And I am now wondering if we can get Pat Mack on this podcast to talk about his Joe Rogan experience. That'd be awesome. You know Pat. Right? I know him in passing. Um, you I know would him say, enough. Oh yeah, for sure. And we know enough people that know Pat. No, no. I mean, I could. I mean, I he's could, just down the road. I could call him. It's not. A, <laughs> it's not. It's not weird. Uh, it it is amusing to me though that like he's enough of an internet celebrity that when my other friends from other places come <clears> to <throat> town or or came to town when I lived in Southern Pines, that we'd go out and he'd be at a bar and people would be like, "Oh my, is it? Is that? I'm like, yeah, that that is Pat Mack." I'm gonna make a statement that could be unpopular. Oh, God. I thought that when Pat Mack went on Comedy Central, that he actually was very mature, very adult, and got burned down for being very mature and very adult. I agree with everything you just said. I even wrote a blog post about it that we then decided not to publish because we did not (laughs) want to get the Pat Mack treatment. I get enough death threats in my house already. I figured that I didn't need a lot of threepers. Sending me hate mail would have just caused me to do more yingling drinking during podcasts. There you go. Oh, I'm going to get you a uh, a Punisher Skull tire <laughs> cover for your truck. Don't have a spare tire, so it'll just be under the truck. Safe, <laughs> safety. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <clears throat> oh, man. The last time I had yingling was... I'm sure I've had it since, but the last time I can remember is like shortly after graduating basic training and having never had yingling before, and Brian brought cases of it down to me at Fort Benning for my graduation. Were they the cases that had the folding tops? Yes, the green bottles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, we bought every year at the beginning of college, we'd buy only yingling until we had enough to make furniture out of. Like tables and stuff. <laughs> I mean, like you just cover it with like a tapestry or something, yep. you know. Now Brian was of the opinion at that table. time. Like I laugh at how, what Philistines we were back then because like, man, you've never had this yingling before. It's amazing. I was like, it tastes just like Lone Star, except uh, from Phil- from Pennsylvania. Yeah, man, I, yingling's fine beer. It's nothing super crazy. Uh, I mean, it's the same as like Lime and Kugels. I mean, it's it's good macro beer, right? Do you? <laughs> I personally am of the opinion that every one of these breweries, like, and by brewery, I mean brand, because they only third-party this shit out. Did you? Uh, is that tr- I don't know, man. So I don't know if Yingling falls in this category. I bet Yingling brews their own stuff, or I want you mostly. To, I want you to Google the PBR controversy. Have you been tracking this? No. Now, this is something that everyone, if you're listening to this podcast, be prepared to have your skirts literally blown off you, because... Is this from last year? Yes. Apparently, there is a list. PBR shortage is looming from yeah. January of 2018. There, well, there, it's not just a PBR shortage. There's a list of breweries, well-known beer brands that you are familiar with, that we're all going to go out of business because they have third-party <clears throat> brewing deals with, I believe, Coors. Mm-hmm. I think it's Coors America. I could be wrong. It might be Miller. Yeah. Well, Miller Coors is one entity now. Fair enough. There you go. So um, essentially. Yeah. Miller Coors and Past Brewing are going to trial. Yep. There was a suit because Miller Coors decided not to honor the brewing agreement that they had with PBR 
so essentially I didn't realize that most of the smaller <clears throat> kitschy brands that we drink if you you know, if your hair is in a top bun and you like tight jeans that are rolled up at the cuffs PBR isn't a smaller brand man this article says they ship 2.5 million barrels a year which is small very small compared, small compared to, to like Budweiser yeah maybe. but I think most but they don't here's the thing they don't make any of that beer yeah if I you look that. at so if you look at it like that's the thing right they are they are literally a brand it's the same Lone Star is made by them too Lone Star the te- national beer of Texas yeah and, but it's not an either or thing I mean there's brands uh, no they they were all involved in the suit if you look at it like all of these third-party brewers basically Miller Coors just decided they're like man it's not worth the fucking hassle we're just gonna stop renewing this fucking contract we have with these people right mm-hmm. so PBR sued them <laughs> because they're like this literally puts us out of business um, I believe Natty Bo was also involved in the suit, hmm. uh, Nat- National Bohemian, the Baltimore beer. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it brought to light like that I didn't realize that all of that beer that they they exceed as a small brewery they exceed their capacity to brew on a national level, so they can't distribute even though it's a nationally known brand name. So they third party everything. They settled the lawsuit. PBR is here to stay. Yep. By the way, Baltimore, I saw some headline this morning um, about how, like, murder rates are skyrocketing there. Mm, did they close Amsterdam <laughs> down? I don't know, but the only upside would be Wire Volume 2. Oh, man. Man, what a great show. The best show. There is – I cannot – no, you're right. I, I'm literally I – would, I would love to argue that. But I don't even think it's TV. It's, like, not even in the same – game it's it's not playing in the same league five five seasons right yeah so in five seasons they addressed five major social subsets in an urban area yep cleanly and in an interwoven way that tells an amazing story dude and in the end after devoting five years of your life to this tv show and becoming intimately familiar with all the characters they cleanly ended it in a way that tells you the circle of life continues. Yeah, man. It was mastercraft in every way, shape, and form. This this television show <laughs> is over. But the problems that we presented to you in this show will only continue rebooting forever. Oh, I, I mean, it is the perfect example of history repeating itself. I also think that The Wire, because of that is and will continue to be timeless. It is our modern day version of Shakespeare. Like 200 years from now, people will be watching The Wire. I I mean, I feel like we've, we've really jumped to a new level. I, mean, I have no way to prove this, right? It's You can't say, no, they won't. Or I mean, you can say it, but... Jimmy McNulty is going to be the, he's going to be the fucking Macbeth dude, of the 21st be, century. Yeah, man. The Wire, you know... Like when he's Shakespeare when he, in the park, when, he, when, when he's driving his cop car and loses control in the underpass and slams it in. And instead of just limping the car on and getting where he's going, he's like, nah, I can make that. And he backs up and does it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jimmy McNulty. You have friends that are police officers in big cities. Yeah, I do. For right. sure. I'm sure you hear some crazy stories. Yeah. But you know, like I don't think a lot of them have watched the wire really. Like, I think that's funny. I, I feel like the so it's it's funny, right? Like I think that what got me into watching HBO television shows was The Wire. I think mm-hmm. The Wire was fucking amazing, and like it really to me is what sucked me in. But I didn't watch it when it was on HBO to begin with because I didn't have HBO, and it was back when like you didn't have the. 
TiVos yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that other shit, right? I watched it after it had already gone off the air. I watched all five seasons and I was like, holy shit. Like, I think it was an employment, actually. I think part of the thing with The Wire 2 is that it starts really slowly, right? Like, a lot of people I know that have watched The Wire and love it had to be prompted to watch it by other people. And they had to watch it. They started it like two or three or four or sometimes even five times where, man, I know you said you love this show, but I watched the first episode and like I just couldn't get into it. It's like, no, no, no. The story is so big yep. that you have to commit to watching like three or four episodes to let it get off the ground. And if you don't, you could watch one and be like, what's this dude? This show's dumb. It's I watched the whole it. first season with Kim. She <laughs> was like, well, she didn't. So we we have this thing in our house where we start to watch something, and she's like, beep. <laughs> like she's over <laughs> it. And I'm like, don't beep it yet, right? It could be really amazing. Which, don't let me forget, we're going to come back to talking about the F1 show on Netflix because it is fucking rad. Dude, you did you Yep, no, I'm on episode four, and I Fuck am yeah. loving it. I think um, I watched the whole ten episodes. Fucking great, days. man. Like, it's a really compelling human drama, and, like, the documentary aspects of it are also engaging. I My only complaint so far by episode four is that there's a lot of nerdy technical stuff that I wish they were filling me in on that they're just not. It's not, like, it's not, like, <laughs> it's not like some shitty TLC show. Like that's not the level. Of, <laughs> that's not the level of. No, like, it's done way better than that, man. Yeah, it's, it's way more of a documentary. It's not a reality. It's show. actually compelling. But the problem is that in a documentary, there are some like <clears throat> there are some performance points they want to hit as far as like sure. you're going to learn about F1 in this. And there's a lot of assumptions that like I know who these fucking dudes are, and I'm like bunch of skinny Spaniards <laughs> driving around in micro cars. They're not all Spaniards. It's, yeah, no, it's I mean, one of the cool things about F1. Yeah, I mean, you have a, a global... There's only 20 drivers. Uh, did, did you text Nick yeah, to bring you more beer? I did. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks, Nick. I, I love you, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, no, there's 20. Dude, that, is a, that is a fucking power move. <laughs> there's only 20 fucking drivers in the whole <laughs> fucking thing, right? Like, who knew? I yeah. didn't know that. I, I I thought F1 was like NASCAR where there's like 50 fucking drivers and like it costs a couple million dollars to fucking front a team. And like, you know, yeah, no, it's like I was laughing because um, was it McLaren that has a small team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. McLaren's got like 200 people on their fucking team or whatever, and yeah. everybody's laughing at them because they're like, Mercedes-Benz has more people on vacation than you have <laughs> on your team. And I'm like, first of all, this is a new level of money that I'm not even familiar with. I mean, whoever's sponsoring these teams is willing to spend, what, $500 million or something on a fucking... Uh, th- I would say that's probably what Ferrari and Mercedes, who are the top two teams, spend. And that is one of the things that is really... I think so interesting and uh, it's a total double-edged sword. Well, they're focusing on the smaller teams or the teams with less money, not the winners, but it kills me because the series does. And we're watching the series where like you're rooting for a dude to take seventh place. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh my God, he made seventh. This is great. Good for him. And the whole time I'm like, I'm pretty sure that Ferrari and Mercedes all came across the line like 30 seconds earlier. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, Nick... Uh, the other Nick and I yeah. went to go see, man. I think of, and when I'm watching the show, it, it I think of you two turds, by the way, and the picture, the one selfie, like you guys went and did this thing. We are getting way off the wire right now, but you guys went and did this thing together. as like a bro trip. This is back when softly was like 
bro, brotastic. 2017. Like, we did all the trips, and we didn't worry about things like selling T-shirts. We just did it. This was not a softly trip. Sure, it wasn't. It, it was. was. It was you and <laughs> other Nick going to Monaco, right? No, we went to Barcelona. Ah, Barcelona. Barcelona. And, and you guys rented a Ferrari. Catalonia. Yeah. What kind of Ferrari? Ferrari, California. Yeah, it was super cool looking. I don't know anything about Ferraris, but it looks fancy. It had that nice brown leather interior that complemented the yeah, red. Dude, per- perfectly. Classic Ferrari. Yep. Tan, saddle tan interior, red this exterior. This is an experience of a lifetime. <laughs> Aaron and Nick took one photograph. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally, it's them and the Ferrari smiling as much as these two emotionless fools smile. And then Nick was like, don't share that photo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, hey, oh, you make sure no one shares it. And you're like, well, that's a great picture. Also, where are the other pictures? Right? No. Well, so mm-hmm. I, F1's cool. Like, I, I've never been into it. I've always thought that because Brian liked it, it fell into the category of things like pate. Where I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the like, pate of the sporting yeah, world. It's like, ah, uh, you know, Brian likes it. So uh, concerto pianism. <laughs> And, must be snobbly. And pate. I think that that is one of the things that's so cool about Formula One is that it is at the same time uh, something. It is a sport of kings, so to speak. It takes a lot of money, as you said, yep. to field a team, right? Uh, it's a sport that exists in places like Monaco where wealthy elites come to watch. And they don't mind shutting down all major streets for like four days. Totally. But it is also, like soccer, a globally watched sport with passionate fans at all socioeconomic levels. Um, Everybody dreams that they're going to miraculously be picked. Remember we had that podcast where we talked about how like every – or actually I think I wrote a blog about it where it's like every dude thinks that – he is unmatched in fucking driving and shooting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So like every peasant who's never driven a fast car, you're like, he's in his Fiat, whatever, driving every day. And he's like, look at me. Yeah, man. My last name is Sainz. <clears throat> right? Yeah, I think. Uh, but if you talk to people, especially in other countries, I mean, it, it's like soccer. You know, yeah. people on Sundays watch Formula One races and they don't have to be wealthy people. It's all over the world. The other thing that's interesting about Formula One to me is the fact that you have both the manufacturers, like the teams are competing because they have two drivers for points for the team. I like watching the two drivers because <clears throat> because there's so much ego involved. Like yeah. it's like it's like uh, if you were to take Chris Van Brink and George Briones <clears throat> and tell them that they were both equally good. And that you were spending an equal amount of money on both of them, but then low key imply that one has to beat the other in some task, like watching them cut each other off at the knees. You're like, no, this is a team effort. It's what's best for Softleet. Well, that's the whole thing that makes it interesting. When they come the around turn four, if they crash into each other <laughs> yep. out of being too aggressive, then the team loses. They Dude, both lose, and the team was it loses, episode right? three when the Red Bull drivers, when Max yeah. Max Verstappen fucking was like trying to pass <laughs> the Australian guy, and they both wrecked, and I was like, oh, yeah, man, he is. Uh, well, what was that movie with the Thor guy? Uh, where he played uh, Max Verstappen was in the movie. No, 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 no. There was the oh, you mean the guy it. Thor, the guy who plays Thor, the guy that plays Senna. Thor. No, no, no. The one about the race car drivers. Yeah, he was not Senna. Um, he was a English driver. 
<clears throat> Let me look it up. Je ne sais pas. Chris Hemsworth is the actor's name. Yep. And the name of the movie was Rush. He oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played James Hunt. Okay. And James Hunt was like the the dashing, good-looking, charismatic, you know, Formula One driver. Yep. The Daniel Ricardo. Yep. And Nicky Lauda, who was... <laughs> Max Verstappen. Yeah, was played by Daniel Brühl. I have I um, have all of the neck <clears throat> acne. I am 19 years old. I am going to beat the Australian in his own game. <laughs> yeah, like, no charisma. Seems like a total douchebag. Well, he is a douche. He's like, he's like, I live in Monaco. Like, no one gives a fuck. You have six Richard Mail watches laying on top of your fucking, <laughs> <laughs> on top of your changing drawer. Yeah. My wife is like, why do you keep mentioning that? I'm like, because they're $450,000 watches. <laughs> well, they're a sponsor of the sport. So yeah, I'm of sure course. So those dudes get them for free. N- yeah, no value in that $450,000 watch. Oh, for sure, man. That's I, how he funds his fucking Monaco dwelling is like, by selling his free Richard Mille watches. You want to hang out with Daniel Ricardo. Like, yeah. You know, even if, if you watch one episode of that show. I want to go fucking hang out on the sheep farm in fucking Australia. That's what I'm saying. Meet like, his family. Dude, this guy's cool. cool. I want to party with yep. this guy. Max Verstappen, you're like, I nope. want to fucking punch this guy in the face. Right in the mouth, dude. Right? This guy sucks. I know that he's, an, like, you're frustrated Max Verstappen, by how good he is. Mac, no, he's I'm not frustrated fucking, by anything. I'm frustrated by the fact that he is a modern-day incarnation of a Hitler youth. Literally. Wow. That, that's taken it <laughs> further than it's I would have taken literally, it. Literally. I look at him, I'm like, oh, he would have loved the Nazi party, wouldn't you? He's got a weird face. His eyes yeah, are Yeah, like he's got really a face that deserves to be punched. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I mean- if Don't, someone calls into this podcast and they're like, oh, I love Max Verstappen, I'm like, fired as a softly customer immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah. You must hate <clears throat> Jews then, huh? Right. We uh, we should see what David Delanave thinks. Oh, he's, he's I'm sure he'll have a super one. opinion of anything. Either but, way, I knew nothing <laughs> about F1, and I'm sure that David would shit on me because... I specifically, the only thing I know about F1 is watching the Netflix I think documentary. On you. I think that he would be happy that you're watching the show. It's a, dude, it is a, it's a very interesting show. But to take us back, we started watching this. You recommended it. We started watching it. Kim has not beeped it yet. But typically what will happen is we'll start watching a show and like episode two will roll around. She'll usually suffer through episode one. I'm texting David to tell yep. him that you're watching the show. <laughs> she'll start watching episode one. She'll suffer through it. You can see the pain look on her face. <laughs> and then we get to episode two and there's this like beep. She'll just say beep. I'm like, God damn it. All right. Find another show. We started watching that show. Dude, apparently there's three seasons of it. And you may know something more about this than I do. But... um. We watched, uh, what's the show with Omar? That's The Wire. Yeah, no, no. I am aware that Omar is in The Wire, but the actor, Michael, whatever his name oh, is. Oh, Michael. Uh, the super good actor. Like, he's yeah. a fucking amazing actor. He is in a fucking show on Netflix called, like, Hap and something or else about two dudes who are, like, down on their luck and take money from people to do, like, shady jobs. Really? Yeah, it is terrible. Like huh. it is, it's actually reasonably famous actors. Um, Christina Hendricks did a cameo in episode one, and it is still, it feels like a high school drama project. Really? Yeah, we made it 10 minutes in, and Cam <laughs> looked at me, and I was like, are you about to beep this? And she was like, yes. I and think I that like, guy's a victim of his own success, man. It's called Happen, uh, or, or uh, Cap'n something, I don't fucking If you know. look at all, all those guys, I mean, Dominic West, 
Lance Reddick, the dude that played Bubbles. Oh, um, Bubs, man. All those guys are great. None of them went on to do amazing things, unless there's something that I'm not thinking about. Even uh, like Marlo Stanfield was in a bunch of like, eh, TV shows, right? It's it's Michael K. Williams. That's what it is. There you go. And the show that I'm thinking of is the only guy you know, Idris Elba probably broke the mold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's fucking strange. I mean, oh. <laughs> it doesn't hurt that he may be the sexiest human being to ever walk the face of the earth. He's brooding, rugged, <clears throat> but not too rugged. British, Seeming, British when he wants to be. Yeah, seemingly intelligent. The show is called Hap and Leonard. It is on season three. Maybe it gets better. I'm not sure. But literally the first episode had me cringing over. I was like, eh, this is awkward. It's like really forced canned dialogue between. Um, so it's got the guy in it from um, James Purefoy. He was in Rome and the, oh, yeah, the yeah. following. Uh yeah, dude. I um, I'll check it out. No, I mean I think it's gonna not worth watching. It, it's I mean yeah. Please check it out so you can confirm that I actually yeah. It's it's cringeworthy. It's not very good, but it is three seasons. So like, happened, Leonard. Yeah. Fine. It's well. on Netflix. Either way, we beeped that in like five minutes. <laughs> Bringing it full circle back to the Wire. What makes me sad is that the Wire, the greatest television show ever. Like my my wife was down with season one and was okay with it, but. The the docs man season two just turned her off to it and I think season that, two is hard but by the time you get to season five season, you understand why no season, you know why season two happened season two is an important building block which feels rote and like out of place and you're like what the fuck is this for I like found Ziggy to be really annoying yeah for sure but you know what's funny is that he was supposed to be. Yeah, but like annoying to the point where it was like, man, I, like, he's I an annoying wanna, human. Being. I don't want to like watch this show anymore. You watch Generation Kill, right? He's. Not, I thought he was great in Generation but Kill, but he's the same annoying person. Yeah, but he was funny in Generation Kill. In the he Wire. tried to be funny in The Wire. If you weren't an ed- if you were an uneducated bohunk, he would have been funny to you. Right. I mean, like growing up in East Texas around a bunch of like people that were the product of probably decades of inbreeding. I am familiar with, uh, with, you know, very low ball humor, and sometimes you just gotta like a dick and a fart joke. Somebody, right. somebody wants to get in a fight in a bar, man. Like that guy. I mean, I mean, I didn't like Ziggy. Don't get me wrong, but I definitely understood why fucking the other dude hung out with him. I never understood why he played. He backed well, his play all the way in. Yeah, but not like real family, like cousins. I yeah, think. cousins. That's not real family. Those are the, if you're cousins with somebody, you can fuck them. Like, <laughs> I told you, I lived in East Texas for a while. <laughs> that is not a rule that I grew up with. Um, well, I don't think that the law says you can't fuck them, so it's okay. I'm talking about legally or not. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They're not really related then. It's like, right. a, it's like a stepsister or something, right? Like, there's a... <laughs> stepsister. Dude. It's not really blood. How many stepsister fuckers do you know? Well, at least one. Who brags about it? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's actually a pretty funny story, and no names will be named on this podcast. But it is an engaging story. You know them as well. Really? Yep. You're not friends with them on the social media anymore. I feel like this is, uh, really? Yep. Hmm. Now I'm, like, really curious. Yep. I will tell you at a later time. This is one of those, it's a <clears throat> bottom-of-the-barrel vague booking moments. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I think of that, I think of, like, an 80s movie where... You know, it's like the romantic comedy of, 
you know, your your single dad marries, uh, you know, the your girlfriend's mom, the French advertising executive that he met on on the plane, and it turns out her daughter is super hot. You are literally telling the storyline of really? this person for right. sure. Yeah, yeah, it's like an eighties movie. So all he needs is a fucking John Hughes score, and he's ready to go. Yeah, former uh, former fighter pilot marries doctor, doctor's daughter's gorgeous. Uh, Aaron Green Beret uh, inadvertently plays hide the weenie. <laughs> you know, like, Ew. Wow. You know, it's good. It's a good 80s plot. Cool. Yeah. Um, that's actually funny. We should bring that up. I actually don't. I don't even know how we got here. <laughs> I don't know either. But I'm, you know what? I'm going to use this opportunity to once again reference Die Hard 3. While we're talking about movies. So also, I've, I've thought about do this that. a and lot. I've actually had people think for me about this, so I have some some things to talk about as well. Continue. <laughs> I've had people. Th- I have people on this. Yeah. I don't have people on this. The but moment I, my it, opinion on that movie came out, and I I was over it, and it just like bloop, it was gone. And other people have been like, so I don't feel like you've per- you've analyzed this well enough. I'm like, well, please enlighten me. Continue. All right. So it took me a while to articulate why I don't like the movie. At first I went with the, you know, and, and I do believe that this is part of it, that there is an, an element of how many bad days can you have? Slowing you like down. The, the setup, the setup shitty, right? Like, okay, the third time, you know, you're fucking called to the rescue. Eh, I don't know. You smell pretty bad. But... <clears throat> I think the biggest thing is that the cool thing about Die Hard was that he was like trapped in a building, right? He's a, he's one dude, average guy, that finds himself in this situation. He's trapped in the building. He doesn't have, you know, basically anything, right? Like he doesn't have a fucking gun. Ho, 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 now I've got a machine gun. I mean, like, he, he did have a gun. He had, a, he had an M9 Beretta. Well, all right. He but didn't he have, have a good gun. Thank you. Fair enough. Um, my point is he had to like work his way up. It was much more of like a thought game, a strategy game for him than it was like, all right, we're going to fucking chase this guy over here, blow this thing up or shoot this thing. And I think that's what made it cool. And the fact that he was just a fucking regular dude, man, you know, fucking burned out cop. So have you ever, <laughs> uh, have you ever heard the conventional wisdom? It's best to quit while you're ahead me yeah 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 where you'd like had bested me in discussing these movies and had successfully made people believe that die hard one was better than die hard three i still believe it man i, I, I mean i'm trying to there tell are you many people in this world that are committed to being wrong some of those people <laughs> some of those people believe that the earth is flat which is something we I, probably should talk about in a podcast I'll tell you what i i mean i will i'm not trying to argue, like no, no, make the, this the a point, huge the, thing the points that you made while seemingly valid on the surface once we scratch deeper I have no t- have no merit so enlighten like, me. Enlighten it's, me. is it more engaging that this man was trapped in nakatomi towers or that he's given that the man who he killed while saving people in nakatomi tower his brother is going to rob the He's, he's going to take all the gold <clears throat> while exacting revenge on the man who killed his brother. You do realize that Hans Gruber's brother is the one that decided to rob the fucking. I get it, man. But you know what? That should be a Dan Brown novel. No, it's not. Yeah, no, it because, is, man. Because, because Die Hard 2 is not 
a tale of revenge, but Die Hard Three is also he is still a regular guy in Die Hard Three. He's just a he's just a guy who happens to be around. He is still a regular guy, and the element that you, know you are looking for appears in the character of Samuel Jackson, who is truly a regular guy who's thrust into an unfortunate position. Yeah, but by purposely that point- to fuck with the man who killed Hans Gruber and that he thought, oh man, this guy's really going to get fucked up in Harlem with a fucking, I hate the N word sandwich board on him. But instead he makes friends with a black person who then helps him in his quest to find the bombs put all over New York city to distract him from the primary thrust, which is to steal all the gold from the federal reserve bank. This is a much more nuanced plot. No, nah, man. It's, this is some fucking angels and demons shit. It's it, totally different. There's no fucking it's a totally Illuminati. Different movie. There's no there's no like overarching global fucking conspiracy. It's a man who's focused on stealing the gold from Fort Knox and killing the man who killed his brother. Different man. I, I think that the chessboard is not limited to the building. I think you know it's like all over New York. Now we got to go to this place. Yeah, now it's amazing. Drive to this other place. Yes, it's a, so. Do you remember in Batman? So a normal human plays chess on one level. Mm-hmm. This is actually a, a Batman the television show, by the way. They, when they play three level chess, do you remember that when Bruce the Wayne cartoon? used to play? Yeah, no, 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 not the cartoon. No, the original fifties. It was oh, like a running right. joke that Bruce Wayne played three level chess, which is like not a game, right? It's simple, Robin. You just think. 372 moves ahead. Die Hard 3 is three-level chess, and Die Hard 1 was fucking checkers. (laughs) No way, man. (laughs) Exactly the opposite way around. Die Hard 3 is a Dan Brown buddy comedy. You're just saying that over and over again, and it doesn't make it true. It's it's true in my opinion. There's literally no supernatural element in it other than the fact that John McClane is a badass who smokes dudes through dump truck doors. All right. Well, that's fair. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. I believe that John McClane <laughs> is a badass, but he, but he's just a regular guy who just happens to be at he's Christmas a Christmas party. That's part of my point. He's a regular guy in the first movie. A regular guy who flies from one of the most oppressive gun control states in the union to the next most oppressive gun control state in the union with a gun for a Christmas party <laughs> in which he saves his wife from certain doom which nurses their marriage on a few <clears throat> more years until it inevitably ends where he then starts to stalk his daughter in Die Hard 4 to keep her <laughs> from getting venereal diseases from random college guys who are trying to feel her up in a car. That is plausible. Well, again, that's his th- we would never have believed Die Hard 4 if it wasn't for 3. <laughs> and everybody forgets 2. They're like, uh, weren't those guys, wasn't it like good guys versus good guys in that one? Weren't they like Marine Recon guys or something? Something like that. It was like uh, military guys were trying to pull off a heist, and Sean McClane ruined it for him. Yeah. Almost made uh, me hate him. Die Hard 2 was like a warm-up for The Rock. (laughs) Fair enough. I still, it's very difficult for me to watch these and enjoy them, where I'm like, I'm rooting for the bad guy. Also, (laughs) the bad guys, like everybody's everybody's goodness. What's going on? There's no controversy. The good guys should just let the other good guys get away with the money. What did you think about The Rock? I didn't understand what was going on at all. I felt like if I felt like if General Petraeus 
hadn't accidentally won the Iraq war, he would have had a real leg to stand on to recruit people to fucking do this. <laughs> Shoot VX gas. Everybody loves you. Stadium. That's not true. No one does. But McChrystal, Stan McChrystal, Stan the man has a leg to stand on. If he wants to take over uh, an island in San Francisco Bay and use VX gas to hold America hostage, I imagine he could probably find some operators that would side with him. Is this you signing up for that mission? Well, General McChrystal can call me any day. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want to take part in whatever happened in all the Michael Hastings books where it was like, like, hey, uh, we just hung out with, uh, and that girl's a Russian spy, but, you know, the old colonel's going to take her to bed and he'll treat her like James Bond. And she'll be pro-American in the morning. <laughs> like, that's how it works. <laughs> Diplomacy? Above the rules. All right. All right. <clears throat> well. Uh, I am willing to wager that based on my subpar performance of 2.1 beers during this hour-long podcast that I could not eat the three-pound bag of marshmallows. I'm kind of surprised you only got two beers done. Uh, I mean, at first I was really into it, and then I realized I don't drink that much, and I'm allergic to beer. And it was like, you're allergic to beer? Yeah, the yeast in it fucks me up, man. It really? Just, yeah, it screws up my stomach, my uh, gut. And man, you get really bad beer shits. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, gut cramps. But I always thought that was just what everybody had happened to them. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, like everyone of my friends, like, oh my god, this lone star's really fucking with my gut. So I'm like, yeah, me too, man. Like that's uh, that's a normal, right? Right. Um, so. When I had that allergy test done with um, Doc LeMay, mm-hmm. he was like, well, you're allergic to beer and wine. I'm like, oh. You're allergic to wine, too? Yeah, it was the yeast in it, man. Uh, but I can drink, like, literally, we could sit here and I could drink an entire bottle of bourbon with you. I could be fucked and half drunk. And I'll wake up tomorrow and I will not have a hangover. If I drink, well, these three beers in the middle of the day are probably going to be <clears throat> fine for me. I'm going to... I'm not going to regret it at all, except that I'm going to have some sort of explosive diarrhea later. Um, (laughs) Because I also don't process carbs. So all the carbs in the beer is going to like right through me. But um, yeah, if I drank these at night and it messed up my sleep, I'd feel like I got hit by a truck tomorrow. No shit. Yep. Just like two, like literally if if I do one high gravity beer, like something that's got a lot of alcohol in it, I'll Mm -hmm. literally like, I'll be like, well, that was great. One beer. And then I'll just literally feel like I get hit by a truck the next day. Wow. Yep. Things you learn. That's why you drink water. Yeah. Oh, man. Among many of the other reasons. Speaking of poor substitutes, <laughs> yesterday, uh, my wife said to me, she's like, I'm going to the grocery store to get seltzer water because I'm addicted to seltzer water. Oh, okay, cool. Do you want anything? I was like, yeah, please get me a, get my, give me a pint of Cherry Garcia ice cream. It may be the best ice cream that's ever been made. I like Ben and Jerry's. I'm not going to agree with Cherry Garcia. I don't like Ben and Jerry's, but I do like Cherry Garcia, right? And, you don't um, like Ben and Jerry's in nope, general? No, okay. no. Um, mainly just because I feel like they're, the, they're just, first of all, they're creepy practitioners of a small business. Like, it's just too, it's like Burt's Bees. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like all of that goodwill is, is disguising something nefarious. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like when I look at Ben and Jerry, they're, they're from Vermont. Yep. There are a couple, they, they remind me of of the Pope, but like in a Vermonty hippie kind of way. I feel what like do you, how do, they are please. front men for a nefarious organization that is doing things to children. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the kids thing, man. They don't live in Hollywood. Uh, no, they don't, but neither does the Pope. Fine. Fair enough. 
Also, did you see that that cardinal got six years in prison for digitally violating multiple choir boys? Yeah. What was that about? Six years, man. What a travesty. Dude, uh, I mean, I think that... I don't understand the law. It's clear that if you have money and power, you don't get treated like everyone else. Is that a cop-out or is that real? I don't think it's a cop-out. I mean, I think that the fact is, is that having money and power means that you don't get treated like everyone else for mm-hmm. the most part. First you, know? you get the money. <clears throat> then you get the power. First you get the sugar. Yep. Yeah, man. I, I just, you know, look at white collar crime, right? Yeah, I guess so. You could ruin tons of people's lives. But don't those guys kill themselves mostly because out of guilt because they don't want to go to prison? Mm. I mean, a lot of them do. Ken Lay killed himself, right? I don't know. Yeah, so. pretty sure Kenley killed himself. And mm-hmm. then that, yeah, that dude from uh, Firefest, the one that was the the financier, he got popped on that natural gas natural ugh, natural gas thing. Kenley did die. Yeah, I think he killed himself. Uh, the conspiracy theories surrounding Kenley's death. So it's not clear that he killed himself. Kenley dies at luxury ski chalet. That dude, uh, Skilling, is getting out of prison right soon. Is he? Yeah. No, but he's not a punk. He didn't kill himself. No. I don't, is, uh, who's the fucking Jeff dude Skilling. That- you know, it's funny. And <laughs> as, a, as a manner of digression, uh, <clears throat> Jeff Skilling and Ken Lay are, were actually people I met when I was a kid. My dad sold his offshore oil and gas company to uh, Enron before the crash, and I met both of them at the closing, and, uh... I mean, I had no idea who they were. They were just seemingly cool old dudes that had a lot of money, right? <laughs> but uh, I always give my dad a hard time. I'm like, man, can't believe you got out there. Like, I'm glad you sold your shares before uh, things got really fucking weird. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Bernie Madoff's still alive. Is he? Yeah. He's probably just planning his next pyramid scheme, right? I mean, he's 80 years old. Yeah, I mean, he's ripe for it. 80's not old anymore. He's ready to strike while the iron's hot. I don't think he's getting out of prison anytime soon. You said I thought he, uh, 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 Skilling's getting out, but yeah, not yeah. Bernie. No, which he, brings us to the which Bernie brings us got to 150 our, years. Which brings us to our favorite guys. Um, how <laughs> at an hour and five minutes? I feel like we should be winding down. But yeah, we can wrap. This no, up. no, 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 no. I really want to talk about my favorite uh, Instagram hero of the skinny legs. Um. N- not quite a seal. Not sure who you're talking about. Really? Are we? Are you, you're not gonna. You're gonna fill in the blanks here. He's a uh, favorite Instagram. Hero my favorite Instagram hero of the skinny legs. Of the skinny legs. Not quite a. Seal. Not quite a seal. Friends with our other favorite Instagram influencer. I'm gonna let you finish this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. There might be quite a long silence here. I don't know what not quite a seal means. He went to Bud's but was a was he failed multiple times. Dan Bilzerian. Dan Bilzerian, yeah. Right. Dan's dad is in jail. Still, yeah, yeah. Right? I believe so. I like when we talk about conspiracy theories, I don't want to talk about uh, you know, maybe Kenley didn't kill himself. Maybe it was a government conspiracy to keep him speaking too much. That sounds gay as fuck. What doesn't sound stupid to me is Wondering how Dan Bilzerian stumbled into his millions of dollars and realizing that it was a a very ornate spider web of stolen money from his father that somehow ended in his lap. 
there's a lot of internet stuff about it. All right, you're giving me some reading. <laughs> it's very interesting. His dad is in jail for SEC violations, ma- massive ones. And, um, of course, Dan publicly and his brother, I believe, both say that their money did not come from ill-gotten gains. They're, they're, Dan is but – he is but a – Moderately successful Vegas gambler <laughs> who who won all of his money through backroom poker games with incompetent Hollywood celebrities willing to shower him in money. Of course. Um, which actually is a super rad story. And if I happened to be living off of my father's ill-gotten gains, I too would develop a story like that. Right. No, no, I found a money tree in Nicaragua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a, me and George W. Bush, we got our Nicaraguan money trees. <laughs> and cut. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, it's it's great when you sit there and you're talking about, like, there are definitely white people that are guilty enough about their, their white collar crime that they kill themselves. And then there are the dudes that are just like, I don't even think they're guilty. I don't think they feel guilty about it. I think it's more. Those dudes are just mad at me because I'm living my best <laughs> life. No, I think the dudes that kill themselves do so. Cause they don't want to go to jail. They've come so far. Yeah, dude, they've fallen so far. You know what those guys would be good, wise to remember? That they were gangster enough to make all that money through Ponzi schemes. <clears throat> they and weren't gangster no, enough. No, they were. They, they were they, fucking cowards. They man. made all that money off. They they broke every rule to win in a Ponzi scheme. They did. They took money from a bunch of people, right? Dude, they, they were liars. Yep. They were cheats. Don't disagree with you. They were thieves. Yep. They weren't gangsters. No, they they literally you just articulated all of the characteristics no, no, of a gangster. No, 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 man. I'll, let's clear this up before we wrap this up. I would say a gangster does all that shit out in the open. There is no hidden agenda. I mean, right? you, have, you have to be a little hidden because otherwise you're going to go to prison, right? Like, no, gangster. Everyone knows. No, right? I mean everybody knows, but they don't. They can't prove it. That's fine. This no one knew. Like. <sighs> You'd be an idiot if you didn't know. It's like the women that contact me from like you mean you'd be Slovakia. An idiot if no one knew, dude. All who when a woman contacts me and says, "I've been talking to you for four months. I am in love with you, but then I find out it is not really you. It is Nigerian man who never sent me picture. We never do video, but I sent him ten thousand dollars. And I'm like, first of all. I feel terrible that you've been ensnared in this <laughs> this obvious scam. I missed my calling. I should be taking money from Eastern European women. <laughs> but also, like you're a fucking idiot. If you send ten if you max out a credit card and send it to somebody, like Ponzi scheme people, man, I'm gonna make more money. I'm gonna make more money. Like, hey man, this is too good to be true for a reason. If someone's advertising a fifty percent profit thing for you and that is not what's going on in the main market, like you're I, a fucking moron. Okay, so some people saw that and said, hey, you know, there were definitely flags for Madoff. Look at Enron. I mean, that was an accounting scandal that wasn't quite out there. I wouldn't say the Enron guys were gangsters. They were fucking thieves, man. I mean, gangsters are thieves. My big thing is this. I'm saying, you look if at you're, a dude like gonna, fucking Marlo Stanfield yep. or Avon Barksdale. And you know the difference between them <clears throat> and, and like, Ken Lay is? They kill fucking dudes that got in their way. Yep. Well, and, and, and it's very possible Ken Lay might have done that, too. <laughs> you never know. All right. The point is, when confronted with the consequences of their actions, mm-hmm. um, poorer gangsters, <laughs> gangsters that, are, that grew up like hard knocks, 
realize that they can leverage the skill set they have in prison. Like they don't think about the fact that like their tonsils are going to be punching bags for another man's penis. <laughs> they don't. That's what Ken Lay. Ken Lay literally is. This like, is what it comes down my to. Ass said too, the my ass is, is too sweet to go to jail. And and fucking Marla Stanfield was like, man, I spent my entire life developing a particular skill set that will be valuable in prison. I'm with you, and I think that's the difference. You can't be a gangster and a coward at the same time. <sighs> Those two things are mutually exclusive, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I. Yeah. Man, I feel like we're until next time. <laughs> Fine. I feel like we Let's can wait. Think about it. We can wait into we that. We can think about it because I think that I think there are all this in many ways fits into like the the nuanced screen of emotions where there's like there's a lot of like characteristics in play in a gangster and I don't necessarily think the cowardice is out of the question. I do think that blind hubris is probably in play there, right? So it's like I'm never going to get caught. I think that goes that's that is a trait that goes to both of the categories we're talking about. I think the gangster separation comes back to the cowardice thing. So on the next bottom of the barrel podcast, I'm not drinking Yingling and we are talking about a gangster's paradise. You're gonna step it up to Campari and soda. Oh Jesus. Is that I can see you like Sitting in like a lawn chair out front when the weather's nice. <laughs> I'm drinking going a, to. Drinking a Campari and so. Yeah, when the sun comes out, it's going to be game time, bro. Do you remember the TV show Sweating Bullets? No. It was like a Hawaiian detective show, I think. Magnum P.I.? Similar. <laughs> um, let me look. I never watched it, but I knew a dude in college that was really into it. And if we keep talking, I'm going to be down in this third beer. He was so into the show, Sweating Bullets TV series, 1991-1993. And uh, I feel like this is like a firefly of detective shows. Possibly related to a TV show called Tropical Heat, Canadian action series. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so this dude was so into the show that he got a kiddie pool, filled it with sand, and put a beach chair in it so he could like get in his like shorts and Hawaiian shirt and sit in the beach chair in the sand watch, to watch sweating bullets. I mean, at work? No, like at home. In his living room. In his college living room, yeah. This dude sounds like a real fucking head case. Can we have <laughs> I mean, can we have him on the bottom of the barrel? I haven't talked to him in a long time. <laughs> But I'm gonna. I'm. I don't think that we should ever have guests. I so I say we should never have guests on this podcast. <clears throat> that being said, I also am starting to build a short list of people we should definitely have as guests. Maybe I'm about to take a three-hour car ride with one of them. <laughs> we're gonna have. <laughs> we're definitely gonna get this shit on video, and Brian to add his intelligent, snarky comments to the dumb shit that. So. Is if anyone's familiar with pop up video on VH1, I feel like Brian's real strength is talking shit about other people's opinions. So yes. <clears throat> I think that Aaron and I will have this ongoing bottom of the barrel, but we'll put it on YouTube and Brian can add whatever comments he wants. Like, bloop, bloop. at this moment, Doug's back teeth started to float. <laughs> you can tell how <laughs> uncomfortable he becomes. <laughs> Then I pull out a piss bottle, and it's like also a patented move of Green Beret, who didn't want to go out into the cold to use the bathroom. Piss bottle? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I did a Homeward Bound podcast, I think, 
I can't remember. I, I did a podcast the other day, mm-hmm. and it was done at, like, the guy insisted we do it at nine after his kids went to sleep. Like, I'm, I'm in bed at nine, man. Like, I had drunk, like, a gallon of water mm-hmm. during the day, and I'm podcasting with this dude, and I understand how important audio quality is. So I'm in the garage so that my, like, my wife watching TV, my oldest, like, suddenly complaining about the fact that uh, my youngest clogged the toilet, whatever is not going to, like, mess up the podcast. I also didn't want to like randomly be taking a leak during the podcast. So I had a couple empty water bottles in the garage that I filled up while we were having the podcast. And he and I were laughing about it during the, the, the aftermath. I'm pretty sure it was with Keith Dow. I'm going to show you this thing, dude. Uh, there was this thing that was really popular in Wisconsin called Stadium Buddy. Wait, so you can piss while you're drinking beer? Or do you, thing, is it, was, it filled with beer when you start? You no, drink no. the beer and then you piss into it. The whole thing was you don't want to miss the fucking big moment of the game, right? You're at a stadium. You never know when the big moment might happen, right? Like you have to piss? Yeah. Or you have to no, shit? No, no, no. The big moment might happen in the game. Oh. Like, is it a diaper? Dude, fucking no. It's a jock strap with a quote-unquote exocatheter, which is basically a condom with a hole at the end. With a tube that goes to a bag that you like attach to your fucking calf. Don't you feel like there's a lot of back pressure in that? I don't know. Maybe, we, I mean, <laughs> we should order one and I will use it during a podcast and let people know <laughs> how it works because you never know when the big moment might happen. Check that up. is an unpleasant looking contraption. I think there's now a few different companies that make them uh, from my initial that, Google that search looks, just now. That looks like something that was made in the House of Horrors. But this was, uh, this was a thing in Wisconsin. The, I don't want to have to go to the bathroom. I'm Wearing diapers would be fucking gross, right? Would it be, though? But pissing in a bag that's attached to your leg, totally cool. At least you could shit in a diaper, too. <laughs> <laughs> you could. <clears throat> um don't limit your options, Aaron. Aim high. There were dudes that I knew that had depends parties in college. Really? I was like, man. I've never known anyone like that did that. Is Although- it that hard to get to the fucking bathroom? Like, I don't know. I, f- I feel like that's a, it's an excuse to be weird. You know, like it's one thing. If you get so drunk that you like piss or shit yourself, so be it. But I want to, I want to, I never went to college parties without wondering which girl that was at said party was going to be interested in looking at my nether regions at a later moment. That's what I'm saying. If I went to a depends party, I feel like we're reaching into new territory right now. Yeah. Would you like to be my nurse? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need to be cleaned up first. This is why prostitutes insist you take a shower first. All right, man, we're going to get you one of these uh, stadium buddy things for next time. Yeah. Right on, man. I mean, travel, John. Are you ordering it right now? I'm gonna find a good one. This is this is the danger of Amazon Prime, <laughs> right? <laughs> travel, John. I, I gotta find the right thing, but we will get one, and uh, maybe we'll put some plastic down or something so you don't pee on the rug by accident. I'm not gonna pee on the rug. Official Stadium Pal website: stadiumpal.com. Here we go. The ultimate portable urinal. So, since 1998. Since 1998, that is a that is an impressive track record. Yeah. Uh, 
Cool. We're going to order one of these. All right. Well, on the next Bottom of the Barrel podcast, we will be talking about the Gangster's Paradise. It looks kind of like a breast pump, but for your dick. <laughs> and, and also, I'll be wearing a stadium buddy. Dude, by, now they have not only stadium pal, but stadium gal. You got some research. Is that like a she-wheat? I don't, I, I don't know. We're going to have to check this out. I encourage everyone listening to this shit show to Google a she-wheat. Cool. On that note. Until next time. See you later.